Hey, DTC pod, it's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long lasting customer relationships and recurring revenue. Easy to manage and seamless for shoppers, Order Groove comes with the tools your business needs to become the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com slash DTCpod today to receive two months off your first contract. Again, that's ordergroove.com slash DTCpod. Also, are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. Hey guys, how's it going today? We're joined by Ashvin on the D2C pod, Ashvin from Obvi, and we're going to be covering everything about how they grew starting in 2019 to where they're at today. So uh, without any further ado, Ash, why don't you kick us off? Give us a quick rundown. What's Obvi? How'd you get started and where are you guys at today? Awesome, for sure. Well, thank you for having me. Definitely a great opportunity. But yeah, so my name is Ash. I'm the CMO of Avi. What is Avi? It is a health and beauty brand that we started in uh, 2019. Our main focus was collagen protein. We saw this niche in the market with some of the big guys that are that are out there. And collagen at the time was just treated as this like medicinal supplement that was just really boring. And the whole idea and science behind collagen is that you start to produce less of it as you grow, right? So what happens is you start to see visual visual signs of aging, you know, wrinkles, your hair starts falling out, brittle nails. And so we're like, okay, well, if the science is saying you need it at the age of 20, why aren't you taking it at the age of 20? And we realized the whole idea about it is that it just looks like such a boring supplement to take. So why take it, right? Q Avi, you know, we we came out with this branding that was scroll stopping on Instagram. We wanted people to stop, you know, in their tracks on, you know, in the aisles of the grocery store and see this bright pink packaging and be like, oh, this is super interesting. And um, the whole concept of us being, you know, this fresh brand is our flavors were super nostalgic, right? We did uh, cereal-based flavors. So, you know, you would want to take it every day because it tastes amazing. And it's not that unflavored, you know, powder that just isn't good. You know, it's that gritty powder that just that these big guys are doing it. And, and shout out to the, you know, the top dogs in the industry because they're paving the path for a lot of supplement brands out there. But, you know, we wanted to do something a little bit different. And I think that's why we started Avi because we wanted to be the obvious choice for, for health and beauty. I think one thing that really stands out about you guys to me when I was checking out your site, your packaging is like how it just jumps out at you, right? It's not exactly like all the different uh, supplements out there. I know it's a pretty competitive space. So one thing that I'd really like to dig into in terms of um, the space that you guys are in is how do you think that this space has kind of evolved over the last couple of years, right? Like I know you guys mentioned that you launched a couple of years ago in 2019 and now a lot has changed in the D2C space and the supplement space. And it seems like that was kind of a ripe time where what you just alluded to, you know, the old guys were kind of doing their thing. You were able to come in, 
pick a niche in terms of collagen, um, create a cool brand around it, around something that young people could be doing and start to get a foothold. But if you had to just give the audience a quick background about like how you see, have seen the landscape of the supplement space kind of evolve over the last couple of years, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest things were taking a look at what other industries were doing kind of parallel to the health and beauty space, right? And so we were looking at the sports nutrition side where there was a lot of hype around creative flavors. You know, on that side, the top dogs were doing, you know, vanilla protein, chocolate protein. And then these newcomers, you know, brands like Ghost were coming out with these like incredible innovative flavors where it was like, okay, this is what's going to set you apart from everyone else. Well, why don't we do that with collagen, right? So we brought over some of the new ideas from like sports nutrition into health and beauty. And that's why we came out with, you know, the cereal flavors that we did. As I mentioned, you know, the top dogs in this space were doing just unflavored and nobody had really nailed the flavors for collagen. And even if they did, it wasn't top selling because it wasn't tasty, right? It was still that gritty. It was still that like aftertaste kind of supplement, right? Medicinal supplement. And that's where we're like, okay, before we even launch, we went through at least six to seven months of R&D just to like nail the flavor. We just kept asking ourselves, would you drink this every day? As just a normal person who wants to take collagen, would you drink this every day? Would you look forward to drinking this every day? Would you get tired of it? And I think all three of us, you know, tick the boxes on some of those those questions when we came out with our first two flavors. And um, I guess the rest was history because we just repeated that cycle flavor after flavor. You know, we started with two flavors, fruity cereal and uh, cinna cereal. And we ended up launching like 14, 15 different flavors after that over the, the last two years. So I think that's what we kind of learned from parallel businesses. But we also realize that, you know, having to set yourself apart is huge. And then also creating a community was one of the biggest things that brands weren't doing. And I think that's where, you know, marketing and just brand building is moving towards, which is like, yeah, you might have a brand, but like, do you have a community that's going to back you? So I think innovation was the biggest thing for us, as well as community building which will probably help us continue to grow into 2022 and, and beyond. Totally. And community is, it's a buzzword that I think everyone hears a lot about today. So that's definitely something I want to unpack with you about how you guys approach community in the early stages, what a community looks like, how it really helped you grow and catapult that growth in the early days and some other questions. So why don't we just start with community, right? What was it like for you guys starting community? At what point were you like, you know, this is something that we should be focusing on? And what was literally the first step you took towards building your initial community? Yeah, so great question. I think I've always wanted to build like a Facebook group, which is where our, our community lives, you know, building something where people could come join, have conversations about anything, really, right? When you think about the consumer journey, right? They see your product, they themselves have a problem that they are trying to fix, okay? Now that problem may differ across every customer. How are you going to be able to offer value to every single person at one time? You can't communicate with somebody individually, right? You need to have a platform to do that. And I think a Facebook group was the way to do it. You know, we used to, in the beginning stages, we used to get questions all the time like, 
oh, you know, I really like taking the collagen with this, but what are some other recipes that I can do to make the experience better? And it's like, okay, well, we have all this really cool information that we can share with this one person, but what if there are other people that would benefit from that as well, right? So we decided, okay, let's, once we started to grow and we had, you know, a substantial customer base after, you know, a couple months, we invited everybody to join this community. Probably within seven days, you know, we only had like 100, 200 members. And what we ended up doing was we had a admin and her name is Brittany. She kind of facilitated some of these conversations in the group, right? At that like small stage of where that community is just beginning, it's like people are shy. They don't know what to expect from this group. How do you start the conversations? So she would kind of like invite people to talk, right? So it's like, you know, you post in the group, ask a couple questions like, hey, what recipes are you guys trying today? And, you know, people start to get a little bit more friendly. They start to explain, you know, their lifestyle and what's going on with them. And then you start to see this like snowball effect of, you know, not just like, you know, employees from our end or admins or mods on our end, like talking to the customers. Customers are talking with each other, right? It's like, oh, hey guys, like, what do you think about this recipe? And then you'll have like 10 other people like, oh, I loved it, but also you should try this or do this. And it just snowballs into this like supportive community where it's not even about the product anymore. It's just about how to live a better lifestyle. How do you improve your health? How do you lose weight? How do you, you know, find the energy to do things in the morning? Like, what do you do with the kids during the pandemic? You know, like those conversations are happening with our, within our community. And the one thing that just, I guess, connects everyone is the fact that, you know, they're an Avi customer, but when you're in there, it's like you're one big family because everybody's super supportive. And obviously, you know, we moderate the, the group. If there's any, you know, negativity, we try and cut that out as best as we can. But to be honest, there hasn't been much where it's a blaring issue. I think everybody that's in there is in there for a purpose. And you just have to start those conversations, right? Once you get that ball rolling, then everybody starts joining the conversation. And I think that's something that's like very undervalued with brands right now because it's like, all right, it's like sell, 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 sell. Like, like after a certain point, it's like you need to build a relationship with your consumers. You know, these are the people that are like going to be the ones that are going to give you the feedback of what new products should you come out with? You know, what flavors are they looking for? Like if you ignore the obvious conversations that are happening in front of you, then I don't think brands will make it, right? It's like you as a founder have to put aside your, not maybe not ego, but like, yeah, there's certain things that maybe you want to do, right? Like maybe certain products that you want to launch or flavors that you might want to launch. Is that going to resonate with your customer? If yes, great, then you're both aligned. If not, why do it? You have a direct path of communication with your consumers. Utilize it. Ask them what they want. Hey, you want, you know, chocolate covered strawberry flavor? We'll do it, you know? And I think that's one of the biggest things that we've leveraged over the last two years. And I think we'll continue to keep that growing because it's, I think it's the, the nucleus of our brand right now outside of, you know, just paid. This is such a, a huge organic channel that nobody's really looking at at the moment. Totally. And one thing that really jumps out at me there in terms of community and something that you had said about ego and how that kind of plays into the fold, I think it takes a, a certain amount of vulnerability to really say, okay, I'm going to double down on community because what you're really doing is taking all these customers who may have different points of feedback and you're putting them all in a group, right? And I think as a founder of a company and who likes to be in control of the way of different things going and putting out constantly putting out like a really good 
face for your company and like, oh, everything's going well, all this. And then the the concept of like, okay, let's take all our customers and let them just like talk freely to one another, right? It takes a lot of vulnerability, but I think what you hit on is that when you do open yourself up to that, it opens up a ton of opportunities, especially, you know, as a D2C brand when there are all these other products that people could go to, but now that they have the community, that's something that's going to keep pulling them back in. The second thing that you mentioned that stuck out was the idea of all these people who are all in this like health journey together, right? And like, and it's not just about the products that they're using or questions about the products. It's genuinely about like, oh, did you know that if you take this supplement, this is the best way it tastes. And I think that's something that like I personally can relate to and I'm sure a lot of people can. It's like when you find something good, you want to share that with other people, right? And what better place to do that, especially when you've had a good experience with the brand than being able to share that with other people who have used the brand or are familiar and are going to know what you're talking about when you're like, yo, I found the best recipe of different obvi supplements. If you were to like post an Instagram story about that or something, you're not going to know that everyone's going to know what what brand you're talking about, and they're not going to have the context there. But I think the fact that everyone already has that communal context, like you just alluded to, is a mega flywheel to like get those conversations going and let the customers themselves, you know, feel free to dive in head first. I think one thing that you said was having that vulnerability to literally have your customers talk to each other, talk about their experience, this and that. There is a ton of positives with that, but there is the negatives, right? And that is how you as a business will grow, right? You're forced to grow. So I'll give you an example. We came out with a, um, a superfoods formula, probably as our third product that we came out with. You know, it's 35 superfoods in one scoop. The formula is literally like packed, right? It's for immunity. It's a probiotic. You know, it's good for great. It's great for gut health and just overall like health and wellness. When we had launched it and we'd done, we had done the taste test, the amount of superfood, right? There's 35 superfoods in there. If you were to go and get 35 superfoods individually and add it to a blend, right? It's going to taste horrible, okay? Now, when we launched this product, we, I think we went back and forth with, you know, R&D about how to mask that flavor, okay? I think we got it to a point where it's like, okay, I think this is good to launch. We liked it. But what happened was is that we launched it, everybody was excited for it, everybody got it, and we got the feedback in the group saying, when I drink it, my throat burns. And we're like, what is happening? Why? Like, we didn't get that feeling. What's like, what's going on? Did the manufacturer like mess up? Like, what's going on? Basically, in the formula, there's cayenne pepper. Okay. Now, certain people may not be used to that spice level, right? As a South Asian individual, I like spicy food, so I was maybe immune to it, right? Other people may not have been. And that's where it's like, okay, did we just mess up our launch? So we sold through and we're like, all right, here's the feedback that you got from the community. Go and adjust the formula, right? All we did was ask them to kind of turn down the cayenne, maybe add a little bit more flavoring, and it fixed it. It is now one of our top selling products. It's our top selling SKU. That would not have happened unless we had those conversations, right? We would have maybe figured it out later where it's like, okay, interesting. Everybody bought this on in January, but nobody bought it again. What's the reason? Then you send out a survey. Nobody wants to fill out a survey. Then you find out, right? I'm talking about you're getting, you're getting feedback as soon as that customer gets the product in the mail. Not like two, three months later when you try to realize, oh, 
Why is this not moving anymore? Why is nobody coming back to buy it? So having that like active like and live communication with your consumer is so crucial for growth. And that example right there kind of proves it. Yeah, I think what you just said is really important and that's something I can relate to, right? So before starting Omnipanel, I ran, well, I was the co-founder and ran CX at Seated, which is a massive consumer app in New York, dining, rewards, et cetera. And we always believed that like, as a founder, working in CX was the coolest thing in the world because I would get to see exactly what customers were reporting and like a real time pulse. And I had the autonomy as like one of as being on the founding team to be able to say, oh, this is going on with our restaurants or this is going on with our product offerings. And I could relay that directly into product. And I think where a lot of companies may struggle is when you don't have the autonomy to apply that customer feedback and you don't have someone that has their ear on the ground to really what your customers are saying and doing. I always thought that that was like the biggest advantage, being able to like listen to your customers yourself and iterate accordingly. Because like you just said, people are reaching out to you and in this forum, the community, they're saying, oh, you know, this flavor is a little too hot for me. And you're seeing that over and over and over. And you have the autonomy to say, okay, let's change this. And then we're going to have a really good product. Whereas I think as brands grow, there's so much of that important customer feedback that's living all over the place, whether it's in the review system, whether it's in the help desk, whether it's in the community, like you're saying, in the Facebook community. And if you don't have your finger on the pulse of that feedback, you're going to miss out big time. And I think that taking that and applying it, and clearly that's what you guys are doing, that's the easiest and best way to build a strong customer experience, right? No, 100%. I mean, it just shows that you're also listening to them. Right. It's not like they're just talking to an empty abyss and, you know, they're bringing you concerns that are actually being addressed. I don't see a lot of brands actually doing that. And I think what's hard, and this is something that we experience too, is CX specifically is one of those departments where it's tough to put metrics on what they're doing. Right. So when someone reaches out to you in your community and is like, I don't like this flavor. Right. You know what that means. You're calling the shots at your company. So you can say, okay, guys, I know we need to change this flavor. But as a lot of companies grow, it's really hard for them to stitch together those data points and say for someone else who they'd hired as like someone running CX that don't have the same quantifiable metrics that maybe someone on the growth marketing or performance marketing team has where they can say, oh, I ran this ad. We converted this many people, this many orders, X, Y, Z. You know, the CX team is working with disparate data and it's harder to tell that story. So, you know, that's why I'm a big fan of being able to connect those insights a little bit more and also doing stuff like you're doing. You're a founder CMO of the company, but you're clearly, you have your ear on the ground, right? And I think that's something that's super important at any level of business. Obviously, the more and more customers you get, the further and further that chain of that game of telephone becomes. One thing that I would recommend, and I'm sure you would share the same sentiment, um, is for D2C brands of all sizes is letting founders really listen to their customers and having that be something that you start with in the early days, because that's going to help you through your first initial product iterations. But then as you continue to grow, never give that up, right? I fully believe that, you know, our customer base will always be our secret sauce, right? It's like, oh, how do you come up with so many different flavors? How do you come up with the products that you do? The answer is in the community, you know, like, it's almost like cheating on a test. You know, the answers are given to you. You don't have to figure it out anymore. So I think, for example, what we did was everybody was requesting a coffee flavored collagen. 
you go to any Starbucks, you go to Dunkin' Donuts, how many flavors of coffee are there, right? And there's French vanilla, there's mocha, caramel macchiato, this and that. So we're like, okay, guys, you guys got to pick one <laughs> and we're going to launch it, right? So we did this whole thing called Coffee Wars. Everybody has their favorite flavor, you know, it's up to interpretation for everybody. So we literally did a whole poll across like two to three weeks and we had like a bracket, literally like, you know, March Madness type of bracket where it's like, all right, well, Caramel Macchiato is going up against French Vanilla. Everybody vote, you know? And you just create this whole like gamified like process of how we're going to come up with this like flavor. So at the end of it, it got down to the top four flavors and we did one final voting where, and we went live on Facebook within the group. And there's a couple apps out there that, you know, if you comment something, it'll place a vote, right? So now going back and watching this video, there's like tens of thousands of comments because people are like, I want this flavor, I want this flavor. And, you know, we literally let the community vote their way to our next flavor. And we launched that and that sold out four times over the cross of last year because we couldn't keep it in stock. Now, if that's not a cheat code, then I don't know what is. So community all the way. <laughs> One thing that is awesome about that is like, I personally believe that what you just described there and coming up with that process, like let's gamify launching a new flavor in our community, right? Like to me, that's very creative marketing, right? I think so much of marketing gets stuck on, oh, let's test new creative, let's create, you know, new ad copy, new creative and optimize that. And like, that's very one dimensional. And I think in order to be a, to continue to be competitive in the landscape, is being able like that's real creativity right like let's do something that other brands and every brand isn't doing let's find a way to give our customers ownership in the decisions that we're making let's have them feel and like take part in this journey alongside us and then clearly the results are going to speak for themselves right like 4x sellout compared to what you're normally doing like the ROI on that has got to be insane right and it's like a cool engaging way for them to you know, take part in your brand other than just the same thing that everyone's getting with like, oh, let's send a Clavio campaign, buy our product now, buy our product now. Like there's only so many times a customer can hear that same stuff, right? Yeah. No, I mean, to your point, everything outside of like their first purchase is like super transactional, right? You may offer like blog recipes, this and that. Oh, by the way, here's a deal. Everything is like so transactional. Like, you know, it, like for me, if I really need something, I'll buy it when I need to, right? I'm sure that's the case with a lot of people. You know, I find there's a cool deal, Black Friday deal, like maybe I'll get it just to stock up, okay? That is like, you just can't have a transactional relationship with your customer. Like there needs to be deeper connection, right? And the only way really is to literally be able to talk with your customers at any given moment, right? One of the things that we promise to do this year is go live in our community every Thursday, right? Myself and my founder, Ron, uh, other founder, Ron, um, you know, what we'll do is we've already announced, you know, we, we're going to go live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. You know where to find us. If you have questions about the product, you have questions about us, you know, my partner's having a kid. Do you have questions for him? You know, I'm sure he has questions for the community. So like, those are the types of things where it's like, all right, forget about, just forget about the product. Forget about, you know, buying something on the website. Let's have a conversation. You know, we want to invite maybe 
some of the community members on with us to just talk about their stories, right? Like some of these women have gone through an insane transformation with, with the product, right? Like I'm talking women who are on prescription medications, just a function every day have been able to get off of that because of some of the products that they've been taking from us. So like being able to share those stories is it's invaluable, right? Because you have the rest of the community that's like motivated to reach their goals and seeing other people actually reach their goals. It's like, okay, it's that positive reinforcement that they need to just keep going, right? So build that like that mentality. And then obviously when they need to re-up on whatever they need to re-up on, who are they going to think about, right? They're going to think about your brand, not the one that's at the top because they don't have those conversations, right? They're just another brand. I think that's what we try to do is we're trying to offer value outside of just product offering. You know, you need to, you just got to build that relationship. You know, I've had customers message me personally and just thank me for being as involved as we are in the group. Right. And like, it warms my heart to be able to say like, yeah, I've had a conversation with some of our customers and they're super appreciative of it. Now they're going to remember that for, for the rest of you know their life that you know the company that they're like investing their hard-earned money for into is actually they actually care you know so i think if there's anything to take away from that it's just like just build that like connection with your consumers because at the end of the day they're the ones that are, are taking your brand to the next level you know you want to offer them back that same regard so I mean, my takeaway there is that the ways that a lot of people think about community, and I'm this is why I'm so glad we actually got into this conversation, because you just dropped like several different ways in which you do community that are like super actionable. But when everyone just hears, oh, community, 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 like community is more than just like, oh, let's just start a Facebook group and let the members talk to each other. Right. And I think that that's the approach like. And if you don't really care, you're not going to go explore and iterate on the community that you're building, right? Because every community is going to be slightly different and how you manage it is going to be different. But like, for example, we'll, we'll just recap, you know, you mentioned one thing in terms of at the beginning, you were just moderating the community, helping get those conversations going, helping people be comfortable. Then in terms of like maintaining that ongoing relationship, you're helping them share each other's stories. Then you're also doing things like engaging them in brand decisions and what's coming up. So they're actually taking place in the product releases that are coming up. And then you just said, we're holding town hall every Thursday. You know where to find these guys. Um, so for anyone listening, you know, you guys know where, where to find Ash. Thursdays at six, he'll be chatting with the whole community. But that's something that other people aren't doing. And if you just take community in the terms of like, oh, I heard there's this new thing that we can do called community and apply it like that's not going to work. Right. So I know you just gloss over it like, yeah, community is really important to us, but I just can't highlight enough the effort and the care that you put into it. And it takes being different than what other brands are doing. Just like you said, you started your company by saying, oh, we see an opportunity in the collagen space. Let's be a little bit different, whether it's branding, the product offering, the taste, let's be different and let's do, let's be ahead of our time, right? And now you're applying those same principles to the community stuff too, because I guarantee most of the brands who are running community are like, oh, like I should go hire a community manager and we should, you know, start thinking about this, right? But like you're actually doing it. So I really appreciate those really actionable insights into ways that you've thought about building out the community. And clearly those are ways that have rewarded you guys. And I, I wanna join your, your community session, uh, you know, this Thursday as well. That sounds super fun. And I just, again, going back to vulnerability too, that 
That's not something that every company is doing, having the co-founders sit down and be open to like dialogue that like really shows you care. And that shows, you know, out of all the things that I can be doing with my week, I'm taking an hour every week to sit down with you guys, the customers. Like, I don't know any other brands where the founders like do that. That's it sounds really easy to do, but like when you think about it, it's actually insane. And and like, I love it. So that's really awesome. So moving on from community, I think you guys have done an awesome job there. You guys are obviously a leader in that. So really great stuff to unpack there. My next question would be for a brand, last question about community, for a brand who's like starting today, right? I know we had mentioned, let's not do all the same things that you know, let's not just start a Facebook group and expect people to kick up. But if you were launching a D2C brand today and you were thinking about launching a community in a landscape that's going to be slightly more competitive than community, maybe when you were approaching it in 2018, 2019, when it wasn't such a buzzword, how would you be thinking about it if you were starting a community today? Great question. I think I've actually just had this conversation with somebody who's asking what are the right steps to do this, right? So one, I would wait until you do have somewhat of a substantial customer base, right? Where you can push a good amount of people into the group at one time, not like when you're first starting and people are trickling in because then there's nothing in there, right? I would wait till you have around 500 to 1,000 customers before you actually start making that effort to push people in, right? When you do, like, let's just say you're at 1,000 customers and you're going to start the community, okay? You should have somebody that is going to at least moderate the group on a daily basis make sure that no question is left unanswered you know people are actually having positive conversations like if things go negative how do you turn that around right so have an allocated person to manage the community okay three i would say have a few posts ready from the brand right like what are some of your favorite recipes what does your morning routine look like some other fun ones like get to know the community like where are you logging in from what do you like what is your daily routine like where are you logging in from you know i remember we literally started the community in the middle of the pandemic right so a lot of some of the the conversations were like what do you do with the kids at home you know like questions like that and topics like that have some ready to go so that you can start the conversations instead of having the the members start the conversations themselves right so i then four right step four you know have some incentive to join the group right what i would do is maybe do a giveaway right say like hey we're giving away x whatever it is product cash this and that blah blah, blah. Join this Facebook community to enter for a chance to win, right? Just get them in there by any means necessary as much as you can. Then you unleash all the content that you've kind of prepped. You have that community manager on standby, ready for answering questions, this and that, and just continue that, right? Set up your flows, post-purchase flows. After somebody buys, enter the group, text message, enter the group, have some type of landing page on the website where they can join the group, have as many access points to the group as possible. And that's what we did, right? Email, text, website. We actually run some ads too. Have that funnel in place as well so that now ongoing as you're growing, the community is growing alongside with it and just have all those pieces in place. And then you'll start to see it snowball and like posts will be just nonstop. You know, there's a point where we had like 200 posts a day and we had to hire more moderators, right? 
And people are like, oh, where do you get the moderators from? Like these are act, like our moderators or were community members that were just super active in the group. And we're like, hey, do you want to be more involved? And they're like, hell yeah, I do. And that's that, you know, all they wanted was some, you know, free product, a little bit here and there. You don't really have to like pay somebody to moderate the group. It could just be your top customers and like, you know, you offer them some free product and you know, some of our admins and moderators, you know, at the end of the year, we recognize that they've been super involved. I mean, offer like holiday bonuses, this and that to keep them incentivized and be a part of your brand. But I mean, the fact that they are your top customer means that they love you regardless and should, you know, make them feel even more a part of it by, you know, offering them some type of position with the community. And that's how when you grow, you find more moderators, admins, this and that, and it just snowballs and you're just like, okay, this is now like, there's just so much going on in here and it's amazing. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more, all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D dot I-O slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. That's so funny. I mean, one thing that you mentioned in terms of like getting your, like having your customers be the ones who can ultimately even moderate that community. I think that's so on point. It always cracked me up. So when I was running CX back in the day, it would always crack me up because I'd be here like as one of the founders, but I'd be behind like the help desk and I'd see these chats coming in. And a lot of times it would be the same people like booking reservations week after week after week. Basically, I was like, Oh my God, this guy like literally knows our product better than half the people on our team. Like this is insane. He knows every single one of our restaurants. And I think what you're seeing is like the same thing. It's like when you create something good that has a lot of value to people, you know, there will be people who just become like obsessed with it and really get to know it and get to know it from the perspective of the customer, which is a super unique vantage point because it's not their day job. It's just something that they really care about and they, they choose to engage in. And then thinking about ways to like reward them and double down on them, right? Instead of like pushing them away or not doing anything, like really be like, no, no, you're a star. Like we love you, like do more of that. I think that's awesome. And the other thing that you mentioned in terms of that was super actionable is thinking about when the right time to launch the community in terms of having the right number of people. I think that's super smart. I see all these posts about everyone in the D2C space talking, oh, community this, community that. And I think it could be overwhelming for a brand that's just starting out. Like, oh my God, I have to like to figure out my product. I have to figure out how all this works and I have to like create a whole community and what am I gonna do? And I think that, you know, just by having that framework for a lot of the brands that are like growing up today and thinking, oh, you know what? It's actually cool. Let me focus on my product, build a great product get to the point where I'm getting, I'm seeing repeat purchases. Like I've solved my like packaging, my fulfillment, my delivery, like all the basics. I have those checked out. I have like decent volume. And it's like, now I have a group of people that if I put into a community, they're not all gonna be talking about different, they're gonna have contacts and we're gonna be able to moderate it and, and sort it out. So I think that's one thing that you mentioned that's super, super actionable and provides a lot of clarity because when you hear everyone just saying, oh, launch a community, you should be doing community products or community first and then launch your product. It's like for a lot of people who are starting out, that's that might be overwhelming. So I just really like the way that you put that very simply. You're absolutely right. I think 
prior to starting, right? Like step zero would be make sure your brand is in a good place to like actually host a community, right? Like you said, fulfillment, product, everything needs to be on point. The community is going to end up being a place where people complain, right? So, you know, just keep that in mind, make sure everything is good. Everybody's on, you know, positive, everything's on the up and up and then worry about the community. Because if your product isn't quite in that place, like you said, and everyone's just complaining in there, and this is kind of where that vulnerability stuff comes into play. Like what you don't want is a community that just becomes a complaint forum, and then it's more things for you to manage, and these are all problems that you know you have to fix anyway, right? So you may as well solve the baseline problem so people aren't gonna be like talking about, oh, my shipments aren't getting delivered, oh, the packaging is broken, like all these basic things that you know are happening. Solve for those first, deliver a baseline, great product experience, have enough people and then bring them into the community. So now you can talk about good stuff instead of it just being a forum for everyone complaining to each other, right? I know another way in which you grow that has become a lot more um, competitive these days is through influencer partnerships and brand partnerships. I know there's something on the mind of pretty much every D2C brand growing, trying to differentiate themselves, try to get that stamp of approval from different types of influencers in their space. And I know you guys have been super, super successful in the way you guys have approached influencer marketing and partnerships and cultivating these relationships with these influencers. So why don't you walk me through a little bit about you know, at what point did you bring influencers into the fold after you had launched? Like, where were we in time of the company? What products did you have live? And how did you kick things off with uh, the influencers you were working with? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the way that we handle influencer marketing is a little unconventional to most. And I believe it's our secret sauce, which I've vaguely like explained our process, but I'm, I'm definitely happy to share with you guys. When we first started influencer marketing, we did the traditional route of, you know, seeding packages, finding the right people for, you know, our market. We went some of like the celebrity route as well. You know, we had a few connections in, you know, that side where, all right, we want maybe this celebrity or maybe that celebrity. And it's like, okay, well that, will that help, you know, the brand? Like, or will people be like, oh, well, this is already a paid endorsement, you know? That, like people like consumers are smart right they're gonna unless it's like a perfect fit it has to come across as authentic right so you know the celebrity route like i can name off a few but like there was a few that we worked with that didn't necessarily work right like i said consumers are smart they're not gonna like like oh this is a paid endorsement that celebrity's not actually using the product so it's like all right forget that our consumers are way too smart let's tan that approach okay then we went for the actual influencer route of like not micro but like not and not celebrity status either right i'm talking like big names on instagram that may not be like you know hollywood celebrities but that have a good following on facebook and instagram that is where i think we saw some success as well again i would say out of like 10 people that we worked with three actually moved the needle for the company Right. So what we ended up doing is, you know, we worked with those three. We basically built relationships with them to the point where like we're making them a part of some of the business decisions. Right. What flavors do you guys want to see? What guys would you or what flavors would you be, you know, excited to talk about? Because you're the one that is using the product. Right. And let me preface this by saying all the influencers that we do work with need to enjoy the product. Right. I don't care if like, it's not about a paycheck, right? It's like, do you want 
to use this product? Do you enjoy it? Do you like the taste? Will you take it every day? If not, then it's not the right fit. So the few that we did work with, you know, they helped decide, you know, what, what are some of the flavors that we're coming out with? What products did they want to see from us? And, you know, we built those and, you know, we nurtured those relationships because then everything that they put out is more authentic. Then what we ended up doing is we decided that what better way to sell to our customers than other customers selling to potential consumers, right? So what I'm saying is that what we found in the community is somebody would post like, hey, here's a recipe for this flavor that I really, really enjoyed. I hope you guys like it. Then you see a bunch of comments like, oh, I haven't tried that flavor yet, but that looks really good. Let me try that, right? So it's like, hmm, okay, let's try and mimic that on the top of the funnel somehow. And so what we end up doing is within the community itself, we saw some of these people who were like, and, and there was an overlap between the moderators too, is who is a super fan of the brand? Who is putting out content in the community? Like, you know, recipes, videos, this and that. And we basically took these individuals, created Facebook and Instagram profiles for them and started running ads through their page. And all we did was we asked them, give us a testimonial, here's the product, talk about it, make a recipe. You're already posting these stuff in the community. Let's just take that content, run ads through it on under their pages. And then when you see it on, if a, you know somebody who hasn't heard of the brand before sees it on their feed, it literally looks like somebody's just talking about a recipe they tried. And it's like, oh, that looks good. Where'd you get that? And it's like, you're not being sold to anymore. You know, it's not like get 20, like buy two, get one free, this collagen, blah, blah, blah. Like banner blindness is a thing, you know, it's like it, you have to get over that. And so what we did was, is, you know, we ended up enlisting 40 women from our community and we have 40 Facebook pages that we've created and just running ads through and like, I can't tell you how crazy of like just 180 performance on like advertising change just because of that. And it's like the organic feel to like advertising is going to be there. And that's like the move now. It's like you go on TikTok and it's like somebody might be like talking about a product. You don't even realize it's sponsored. You know, it's like you have to hide the mess. Like you have to hide your ad. That is what it is. Like don't make an ad anymore. It has to look organic. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we used as a lever for paid marketing, especially after these updates, right? Like iOS updates, you know, Facebook having a hard time finding your buyer. It's like, you have to be creative about how you're going to do that now. And I think that was one of the biggest things that we did that helped stabilize, you know, some of the effects that were happening on Facebook. And I mean, one thing that you do is that if you do go to the, our, our website, our retargeting strategy is all you see is just people using the product and like, that's it. You know, would you rather see that or would you rather have a 20% discount? Like, yeah, you can get the discount. It's on the website, but like, at least you'll see your feed full of people using the product. And it's like, Hmm, okay, cool. I like that recipe. I like the way that that person's using it. Let me dive in and see what the hype is about. So there's our, you know, our strategy there on influencer marketing, not really influencers, but influencers within our community. There's so much that you just dropped there. Um, the one thing that really sticks out to me across everything that we've touched on thus far in the podcast is I think you um, think outside of the box 
a lot differently than most of these brands and most of these people. So there's clearly a correlation between what you're doing and Avi's growth because everything you've just dropped is different from what other people are doing. So I think if there's one takeaway for me, it's like be different and put yourself out there and question the status quo, right? If everyone's doing something right now, you might need to be thinking about like, okay, what can we be doing to get ahead of that? Because if everyone's already doing this, like you're saying, it's it's already drowned out in the noise, right? The other thing that's really is something that I love to think about is just where advertising's headed and how smart consumers are about advertising and, you know, seeing ads, recognizing that they are ads, and even recognizing influencer content as ads a lot of the time. So if that content isn't super organic, like from the heart, they're gonna be like, oh God, there's just another influencer posting like something else, like please stop, you know? So really thinking about like, how do we create content that is super authentic and because consumers are smart and they spend so much time on their phones that you're flipping through things, you just see the little sponsored icon in like the top of the thing and automatically your brain goes into a different mode, right? You see a post from like an influencer's feed and you're like, mm, is this sponsored? Like, I don't know. But so I think all those ways that you were talking about, whether we go back to the community or leveraging like the real people who are using their products and actually want to talk about it, like those are ways to, again, differentiate yourself and turn that, turn up that, you know, viral coefficient of your growth, which is what you're ultimately looking for. It's like, how do we get one customer to onboard to our platform, love the product and get them to help us grow, right? So you have like an organic growth strategy baked into your process. And obviously on top of that, I'm, that's not to say that ads don't work, they obviously work, right? And that's gonna bring more people into your funnel, but just thinking of it and being able to approach it knowing, hey, consumers are smart, even the influencer game has changed. So the way we're going to approach this is we're going to be ready for it and we're going to be one step ahead of all of other brands and how they're approaching things, right? No, 100%. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> and I guess that leads me in, you've basically answered it, but if you were a brand, and let's consider you're an, a super early stage brand now and you were approaching leveraging some sorts of influencer relationships to grow, what would your thoughts be? I know that for a lot of brands, they might think like, oh my God, I'm just going to get this influencer to post and like, we're going to be good. But, you know, getting just impressions and really top of funnel stuff, like, and influencers are posting and tagging so many things, like you could have stories that are getting, you know, millions of views and the conversion can end up being actually really, really low. So if you were a brand that's like starting out, what would you think about in terms of like your influencer strategy and how would you approach things, right? Because it could be really daunting to be like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to engage with this relationship with this influencer, pay him like $10,000 just to do a post and it's gonna get all these views. And then they look at conversion and they're like, nothing's converting, right? So just to preempt that and save a bunch of people from having to go through that for the first time and learn a hard lesson, like how would you approach that if you were an early stage brand? Yeah, so I think there's two things that I would do that I wish we did, to be fair knowing what I know now, one would be to pick a few or research a few influencers that you would potentially want to work with, email them, you know, message them, whatever it is, and simply ask like, hey, I'm launching this new product, would really love your feedback. Don't talk about posting, don't talk about anything like that. If they come back and agree, I bet you nine times out of 10, they're going to post for free, right? The fact that like you reached out to them, you offered them something for free, you know, no strings attached type of concept, like just see what happens, right? 
set aside like what is the budget for that like 10 products a little bit of shipping your cost of goods it's really not that much right even if one person posts right it's probably worth it so and you get the content from whatever they posted you can use that in your ads so i would try that approach don't go into like hey like how what is your your rate for posting like don't even get right into that like just i want you to try out my product it's a new brand try it out let me know what you think that's one way another way i would do is Honestly, this is super unconventional, but I think it would work is similar concept to what we're doing. But, you know, say, for example, for us, you know, collagen, what I would literally do is have, you know, my girlfriend or significant other and my founders, you know, significant others create a Facebook page and just take a picture, create a video, do a recipe, whatever it is, and just run ads that way, just so you still have that organic look and feel. Okay, get some friends involved, do this, do that, like just offer them free product, create Facebook pages. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how big those pages are. It could have like zero likes or a hundred thousand likes. It'll still do the same thing, right? So I think those two would be a good approach. I really don't think the paid to post approach is it anymore. It might, if, you know, Instagram brings back that whole chronological feed, it might make a comeback, but I think paid to post is just a waste of time. I think if you do work out something, you should be able to whitelist their account. Like, hey, you don't even have to post anything. Just take a photo, do a video. You don't have to post it, but give us advertising access and we'll run the ads behind it. And we'll, you know what? We have structures with some influencers have done this where we just pay them commission based off of who's used their code in our ad. And they're happy with that. They don't have to do any work. So I think that would could that could be an approach too, where it's like, yeah, like, I. You don't have to set aside a budget for paid to post, but maybe the deal can be commission-based where it's like, like I said, they don't have to do much. It's all on you. And you're putting up the advertising dollars and you could say like, hey, I'm driving traffic to your page. I'm going to help grow your page. So it's like win-win on both sides. All they have to do is just take a few pictures. That's it. No, I think that's super, again, super actionable and thinking about things in a really different way. So I feel like we've covered a ton of like really actionable stuff on this podcast and I don't want to make you give away all the secrets now. So, you know, maybe the next time on the pod, we can dive a little bit deeper into some more of the operational stuff because there's so much to unpack. But I think we did a great job in terms of covering a lot of really cutting edge uh, concepts on the marketing, community, customer experience, retention and product side of things. So, Ash, I just wanted to... The last question I have is, you know, what's next on the horizon for you guys at Obvi? I know right now you've, since you launched the collagen product, you guys have a ton of different product lines. You guys have subscriptions. You guys have all these new recipes that you're learning from your customers. Um, You've grown a ton in sales. You're launching in stores. So like what's on the horizon for you guys just as a brand? Yeah, I think, you know, like recently we just sent out a survey beginning of the year, like, what do you want to see from us this year? You know, posted in the community as well. So we're, we're getting that feedback now and we're basically planning what 2022 looks like. Last year, we went pretty heavy on flavor launches, product launches. And I think what we're going to do is now refine everything. Maybe now, you know, expand some of the products that we weren't launching flavors in, like our superfoods, maybe expand the flavors there, right? I think it's more of like, we're still in the planning stages and seeing what our customers want this year. And then, you know, acting on that. Another thing that I think is going to be big for us this year is probably retail. 
you know, we're in the talks with some big box retailers where I think now we can further the, you know, availability of our products to our consumers where it's like, you know, they don't have to order, wait three to five business days, they can go down the road and pick it up. So those two things are going to be our biggest focus right now. You know, we just got to keep innovating, be creative. And I think that's where brands have to be this year, because if you don't innovate, you might get left in the dust. So that's where we're at right now. I love it. So anyway, really appreciate having you on. Um, Love learning about everything. All the best luck for you guys and Obvi in 2022 uh, and look forward to having you guys back on again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure.